You ever thought about the amount of invitations that you receive? Maybe it's a, a text message from a friend inviting you to go out to lunch, or you know, maybe it's uh, an invitation that you get that's a little bit more formal, like a wedding invitation that somebody wants you to come and, and join in a celebration that they're having. Each and every week, I give you an invitation. Hey, come back next week. You know, We're going to continue a series, or we're beginning a brand new series. And then you get invitations that, well, maybe you don't like quite as much. There are invitations like you get an email saying, come to this timeshare presentation. We got a, a great deal for you. Or you get an invitation in the mail for a, a new credit card. Well, what I'm trying to get you to see here is we get a lot of invitations. And what we need to understand is that God has actually invited us into a relationship with him. And a part of that invitation is that he wants to not only speak to us, as we talked about last week, but he wants us to speak to him as well. But many people miss out on that invitation. Now, from a theological standpoint, we would call this invitation to, to speak to them prayer. Let, let's look at a couple of scriptures here this morning as we get started. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 8, we read this. Praise the Lord and pray in his name. Psalm 18, 6. I was in terrible trouble when I called out to you, but from your temple you heard me and did what? You, you answered my prayers, right? Jeremiah 33, 3, God is speaking here and he says this, cry out to me and I will answer you. I will tell you great and mysterious things that you do not know. And then in Acts 2, 21, we read, the Lord will save everyone who asks for his help. It's very, very clear from these scriptures that God is inviting each and every one of us to pray, to, to talk to him. But here's the problem. Did you know that the average Christian only prays two minutes per day? God, the God of the universe, the God who created you, wants a relationship with you, and you only talk with him for two minutes per day. And you know what most of that prayer is? God, bless my food. Or God, bless my kids as they go off for the day. Or God, heal my loved one. Now, there's nothing wrong praying for those types of things, but prayer has to be more than that. It's not that God is like this genie in a bottle that you only talk to him when you need something. No, he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to talk to him all the time like your very best friend. Now, that intimidates some people, doesn't it? That, wait, that same God you were just talking about, Gilbert, the, the God of the universe, the God that created me, he, he wants me to be a best friend. I mean, Gilbert, I, I wouldn't know what to say. How, how, do, you talk to, how do you talk to God? I wouldn't know the, the words to use. How, how long should I talk to him? Like, does he want me to just be like really brief or you know, does he want me to like just keep sharing everything? I, I wouldn't know what to do with that. And then you start to like get all up in your head and start to think about things like, well, wait a second, if he's really God, doesn't he already know everything that I need anyway? So why would I even have to ask him about these things? And, and so you just start to think about all these like weird scenarios in your head and, and you're just getting all freaked out about this topic of prayer. And then to make matters even worse, you've got Satan that doesn't want you to be praying and talking to God. Satan doesn't want that from you. Satan is like going to distract you in any way that he can. Hey, watch this new TikTok video that just came out. Or your kid starts to act up or your pets start to do things and all of a sudden you're like not praying anymore and then you're like, is God upset at me? What if I get bored when I'm praying? 
What if my mind starts to wander? Is God mad when that happens? So we make prayer into this really weird thing, and we start to think that we need to use, or use well, like weird words like thee and thou and those, you know, and, and start using a different voice. Thou most holiest and awesome God. No, again, it's just you're praying to God just like you're talking to your best friend on the telephone. That's what he wants. He wants this relationship. He's giving you this invitation to talk to him each and every day. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about the beauty of serving a God who wants you to talk to him and then the tragedy of Christians who never accept this invitation and then speak to and with them. So the, the main uh, the, the part of the Bible we're going to be looking at here today is found in 2 Kings. We're actually going to look at 2 Kings 18, 19, and 20, at least parts of it. So if you've got a Bible, you want to turn there, 2 Kings, that's in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapters 18, 19, and 20. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online right there in the upper right-hand corner of your screen. There's a little button there called Talk Notes. If you push that, that's going to take you to all the scriptures I'm looking at here today. For those of you that are live here in the room, if you haven't had the opportunity yet, scan that orange QR code or the, the, uh, the uh, card that's orange. Scan that QR code. You'll be able to find the message notes there. That's going to take you to all the scriptures we're going to look at today as well as the main points that I'll be making as well. Now, as you continue to turn there to 2 Kings 18 to 20, let me give you just a little bit of context. The first three kings of Israel were Saul, and then David, and then Solomon. For the most part, they were following after God. But after Solomon's death, things fell apart. In fact, the nation of Israel had a civil war. And the 12 tribes that made up Israel, they divided. And so you had the 10 tribes up to the north. They retained the name of Israel, and then the two tribes down to the south, they took on a new name, the kingdom of Judah. And so it was still all of Israel, but it was the kingdom of Israel, it was the kingdom of Judah. Now, for hundreds of years then, both of these kingdoms were led by like these very, very bad, ungodly kings. Remember, this is God's nation, the nation of Israel, God's nation, but yet ungodly people were leading them for hundreds of years. Now, there were a couple of exceptions. And one of the exceptions is a guy by the name of Hezekiah. He was the king of Judah, and Hezekiah was only 25 years old when he actually became the king. Here's what we read in 2 Kings 18, verses 5 to 6. Hezekiah trusted the Lord God of Israel. No other king of Judah was like Hezekiah either before or after him. He was completely faithful to the Lord and obeyed the law of the Lord, or obeyed the laws the Lord had given to Moses for the people. So Hezekiah, he was full of integrity. He was full of faith. He was full of trust. That's going to make sense in just a moment. Now, I do want to make the point that he wasn't perfect, but his heart was sort of bent towards the things of God. Now, what we're going to look at today is two different prayers that Hezekiah prayed and then the lessons that we can learn from his prayers. The first prayer was when the king of Assyria decided to attack Hezekiah and the kingdom of Judah. Now, if you're a king and you find out that you're under attack, how do you think that you would normally find out that you're under attack? You either like look out and you see that you're under attack, or maybe a messenger comes to you and says, hey, we're being attacked out on the edges of the, the border there, and you know, we need to send our troops out. You know how Hezekiah found out that he was going to be attacked? The king of Assyria actually wrote him a letter. He's trash-talking Hezekiah even before the war starts. 
He sends this letter to Hezekiah and says, look, I'm coming to attack you, and there's nothing your God can do to save you. We're going to wipe you out just like we've wiped out so many other kingdoms here on this earth. That's where we come to the first prayer that Hezekiah is going to pray. In 2 Kings uh, chapter 19, verses 14 to 20, we read this. After Hezekiah read the note from the king of Assyria, he took it to the temple, and he spread it out for the Lord to see. He prayed, Lord God of Israel, your throne is higher than the angels. You created the heavens and the earth, and you alone rule the kingdoms of this world. Turn your ear towards me, Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the message that Sennacherib sent to defy the living God. It is true, our Lord, that the Assyrian kings have turned nations into deserts. They destroyed the idols of wood and stone that the people of those nations had made in worship. But you are our Lord and our God. We ask that you keep us safe from the Assyrian king. Then everyone in every kingdom on earth will know that you are the only God. And then Isaiah, son of Amoz, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. You prayed to me about King Sennacherib of Assyria, and I have done what? I have heard you. God heard the prayer of Hezekiah. Now, there's a second prayer that I want to look at that he prays, and this one is under completely different types of circumstances. Look at 2 Kings 20, verses 1 to 5. We read this. Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. And then he broke down and he wept bitterly. Before Isaiah got to the middle courtyard of the palace, the Lord sent him back to Hezekiah with this message. Hezekiah, you are the ruler of my people, and I am the Lord God who was worshipped by your ancestor David. I heard you pray, and I saw you cry. I will heal you so that three days from now you will be able to worship in my temple." Now, in both of these prayers that Hezekiah prays, there are some lessons that we can learn for our own prayer life. And that's what I want to cover with you here today as we continue this series called The Always God. Last week, it was that God is always speaking. Today, I want to talk to you about how God is always hearing. He is always hearing your prayers. So let's jump into it here. The first point I want to make to you is this. For a great prayer life, posture matters. Again, for a great prayer life, posture matters. Now, part of this is literally your physical posture that you have. As we read through Scripture, there are many, many times that we read of people that they're praying. Sometimes they pray standing. Sometimes they pray on their knees. Sometimes they're praying while they're sitting down. Sometimes they pray while they're actually lying face down on the ground. And then many times, When we read about prayer, not only are they kneeling or they're standing or they're sitting, but they're praying with their hands lifted high to God. We just sang about that earlier, that I'll lift my hands up to you. Somebody asked once, they said, well, why why do you lift your hands in worship? Well, number one, it's because it's in the Bible. It's it's scriptural that that's a part of worship. 
But I, I heard a, a famous singer many years ago. How many of you have ever heard a guy named Carmen? He was like this very cheesy Christian singer many years ago. But he, he, he said this thing one time. He said, when you were in school and you knew the right answer, what did you do? What'd you do? Go ahead, show me. What'd you do? When you knew the right answer in school, you put your hand up. We know that Jesus is the right answer. And so we lift our hands up to him in praise. And so we, we read throughout scripture that, that posture matters when it comes to how we worship and how we pray to God. My friend, his name is Mark Batterson. He's a pastor down in D.C. He's written many great books, and one of them is called The Circle Maker. And in The Circle Maker, he, he writes this. He says, physical posture is an important part of prayer. It's like a prayer within a prayer. Posture is to prayer as tone is to communication. If words are what you say, then posture is how you say it. Physical posture helps posture our hearts and our minds. What Mark is saying is that, look, what we do physically with our posture helps to then posture what's happening in our heart and what's happening in our mind as well. It makes sure that our heart and our mind are in the right place. And so what do we read in, in this prayer of Hezekiah? The, when he finds out that he's being attacked by the king of Assyria, what's the first thing that he does? He goes to the temple. He puts himself in the house of God, and then he lays that letter out for the Lord to see. In the second story, what does he find out, or what does he do when he finds out that he's going to die? We read that he turned and he faced the wall, and he began to pray. And then as he continues to pray, he begins to weep. Again, posture matters. In both of these prayers, his posture was one of humility and of brokenness. And in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we find out that God is drawn like a magnet to people who are humble and who are broken. In that first prayer that he prayed, he says, God, you are above it all. In other words, you're God and I'm not. If you're here today or you're tuning in online and you're watching and you're wondering, man, why is it that it doesn't seem like God ever answers my prayers? One of the first things you got to ask yourself is, has pride entered into my life? Remember Hezekiah, he was humble. He was, he was broken before the Lord. Oftentimes we come to God and we're so prideful. God's not going to answer those types of prayers. In fact, I want to talk about this thing of pride a little bit more here. Because there's four different things that I've identified that I think you need to be careful of. If you have this form of pride in your life, God isn't going to answer your prayer. Letter A is this, unbelief will keep God from answering my prayers. Unbelief is a form of pride, and unbelief will keep God from answering your prayers. In Psalm chapter 10, verse 4, we read this, The wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead. They seem to think that God is dead. So, look, if, if you don't believe in God, or maybe you believe in God, but yet you live your life as, as though he doesn't exist, God isn't going to answer your prayers. James, the brother of Jesus, he says this, James 1, verses 6 to 7. When you ask him, meaning God, when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. There's a second form of pride, then letter B, selfishness will keep God from responding to my prayers. 
I see this so often. You hear people pray, and it's like, wait, whose glory are you praying for? Are you praying for your glory or for God's glory? Too many people pray for the wrong reasons and with the wrong motives. James, again, he addresses this. Look at James chapter 4, verse 3. James writes, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with what? You ask with, with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Jesus and his model prayer, what we would often call the Lord's Prayer, he says, you need to pray that, God, your kingdom come and your will be done. We don't pray that our will be done. No, we should be praying that God's will be done. We can't be selfish in our prayers. Letter C, disobedience will keep God from responding to my prayers. Now, how many of you have kids? How many of you have kids? Most of you, right? Those of you online, type it in the chat. You got kids? Here's the thing. Parents, or maybe some of your grandparents now, when your kids are bad and they come to you and they go, I want a new cell phone, or mom, dad, give me the keys to the car so I can go out and see my friends. When they're being disobedient or you're like, yes, sure, here's a new phone, I'm going to bless you. Here's the keys to the car, I'm going to bless you. No, when they're being disobedient, you're less likely to respond to their requests. When are you going to bless them? When are you going to respond? When they're being obedient. So this is so simple for us to think of as parents. We got to realize that God, our Heavenly Father, is the same way. Why is he going to answer your request when you're being disobedient, when you've allowed sin to continue on in your life? Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, we read about this. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not do what? He will, he's not going to listen anymore. Look at Psalm 66, 18. David writes, if I hold on to sin in my heart, the Lord will not, the Lord's not going to hear. Proverbs 28, 9. God cannot stand the prayers of anyone who disobeys his law. So are you seeing now why obedience is so important? It is vitally important that you're being obedient to him each and every day and in each and every way. And so if God isn't answering your prayers, one of the first things you've got to ask is, well, is there any sin in my life that would keep him from answering those prayers? Any sin that I'm refusing to turn away from? Letter D then, fractured relationships will keep God from responding to my prayers. We've got to make sure our relationships are right, not only with God, as we talked about in the previous point, but then with other people as well. Jesus addresses this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. He says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Or look at Mark eleven twenty-five. Jesus says, when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. And then in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, if you're a husband, you should be thoughtful of your wife. Treat her with honor because she isn't as strong as you are and she shares with you in the gift of life. Then nothing will stand in the way of your prayers. And so we've got to be careful. Each of these four areas are forms of pride that come in that keep God from answering and responding to our prayers. 
They're going, okay, Gilbert, you've talked about why God wouldn't respond to our prayers. When would he respond to our prayers? Well, when you're praying things that are in his will and for his glory. He'll always respond to those. Let me give you an example of one. Look at Psalm chapter 139, verses 23 to 24. You want to pray a great prayer? Pray this. Here's what you pray. Lord, look deep into my heart, God, and find out everything I am thinking. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Scripture is such a great thing to pray because God's word will not come back empty or void. So learn to pray the scriptures because we know that that is God's will. So pray things like we just saw here in Psalm 139. Like Hezekiah, our posture needs to be one of humility and brokenness. And also like Hezekiah, we've got to understand that I'm not perfect, but God, you are. And God, it's not about my will, it's about your will being done in my life. So God, since I'm not perfect, lead and guide me and direct me in your ways not my own. And so the, the first thing that we said is that posture, the, the posture you come to in prayer, not just physical posture, but the, the posture of your heart and the posture of your mind, that matters. Number two, for a great prayer life, perspective matters. So it's not just about posture that matters, but your perspective when it comes to prayer matters as well. Hezekiah trusted God to answer his prayers, but He's basically had the attitude of, God, you answer your, or my prayers in your way, not in my way. Like, like, think about it. If you know, because you just got a letter from the king that's going to attack you, that you're going to be attacked, how would you pray about that? You would probably pray very specific things of, God, do this, and then God, do that, and then, God, you're going to, like, send my army, and blah, 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 right? And you're going to pray about what you want to see happen. What did Hezekiah pray? He just said, God, we're trusting you. We've trusted you in the past. We're going to trust you again here. He doesn't say it, but essentially in his heart, he's saying, let your will be done in whatever way that may look. You know how God answered his prayer? Not with the army. God sent an angel and struck down the Assyrian army. It's different than the way we would have thought to pray about it. But God's ways and our ways are not the same, and so that's what happens. He sends... He sends the, uh, the angel. Or how about the second prayer? God instantly says, all right, I heard your prayer, and I'm going to let you live. Now, as Hezekiah prayed, notice he didn't say, God, help me to live to be 100 years old, right, so I can see my children and my children's children and blah, blah, blah. No, he just says, God, you've seen how I've lived. Give me more time. But he doesn't give him how much more time. And what we know from history is that he only was given 15 more years after this. Now, remember, this happened early in his reign. He became king when he was 25. And this was very early in his reign. So he probably was only 40, 45, maybe up to 50 years old when he passed away. But again, he didn't pray saying, God, you have to do it my way. He said, God, I have this perspective that your way is better than my way. We don't always understand why God answers prayers in the way that he does, but we've just got to learn to continue to trust him. God, you know my situation better than I do, and so I'm just trusting that you've got something better for me planned. 
So I wrap up today, uh, I want to look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15. John, who is Jesus' very best friend, says this. He says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to what? According to his will, he does what? Look at that again. If we ask anything according to his will, then he hears us. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. And so last week, we talked about God is always speaking. Today, he's always hearing. He is the always God. He is always hearing. But there were a couple conditions. He'll hear you, but he may not respond to you if your prayers are full of pride and selfishness and there's disobedience in your life and you know, you're just looking out for yourself. He's not going to answer those types of prayers. He's not going to answer your prayers if it's about your glory instead of his. He's not going to answer your prayers if it's because of something you want, your will being done. No, he's going to answer the ones that is his will being done. Again, James, uh, or, uh, John says that if we ask anything according to his will, then he hears and then he will respond. So exponential, let me say this. God has sent you an invitation to be not only in a relationship with him, but to talk to him and him to talk with you. So he's listening and he wants to respond. The question is, are you then speaking back to him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for these uh, first couple weeks of this series as we've uh, seen that you're always speaking to us. And the question last week was, are we listening? Are we listening? And then today, you're always hearing. So the question is, are we speaking to you? Lord, that's what a relationship is. It's communication between two people. And that's all you want with us. It's just a dialogue back and forth. And Lord, help us to realize, though, that in this relationship, you are bigger and stronger and so much better than we are because you're perfect and we're not. And so, Lord, help us when you speak to say, all right, I'm trusting that your way is better than my way. And help us when we speak to you to say, God, you know better about this, so I'm trusting that, that your perfect will be done. So, God, answer this prayer in the way that you best see fit. Lord, it's really as simple as that. And we try to make it so difficult to, to have a relationship with you. But really, that's all it's about is just recognizing who you are and just having this ongoing relationship with you. Not just Sundays when we gather together for church, but each and every day. That as your word says, that we should learn to pray without ceasing. That our heart and our attitude should always be one that we're just sort of under our breath. We're just whispering these prayers that we're glorifying you and we're thanking you and we're asking for your help. And we're just constantly just praying and, and talking with you and then listening for your voice and what the next step is that we're supposed to take. Jesus, thank you that you do that for us, and that so many people today, that's, that's what they're doing. They're, they're hearing from you, and your spirit is convicting them that, man, your prayer life kind of sucks, and you really need to, to get back into this communication with God. And so, Lord, help this to be not only a convicting message, but help it to be a, one that convinces us that there is a better way, and help us to be inspired to, to speak with you all the time, listen for your voice. Thank you, Jesus. And again, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Uh, one of the things I forgot to talk about in the message today was when we were in Haiti, 
uh, or uh, in Costa Rica just a couple weeks ago, one of the things that I got to do for the first time, it was my uh, fifth time in Costa Rica, one of the things I got to do for the very first time was drive. And people were asking me, they're like, are you nervous about driving in Costa Rica? Because a lot of times the road conditions are really bad and like the drivers are like even worse than American drivers. I mean, it could get a little hairy sometimes down there. And I kept telling people, it's like, you know what? It's not the drivers, it's not the road conditions that have me nervous. You know what had me nervous? It was the GPS. Because for my cell phone, I had an international calling plan that that's how we were gonna navigate all over the place. And I was like, that's what makes me nervous because if we lose signal, I'll have no idea where to go. Like literally no idea where to go. And Bill, he was uh, on his cell phone. He had an elevation uh, tracker, you know, how high we were. Keep in mind here in the Harrisburg area, these little things here, these little hills that we call mountains, the highest one is 1,100 uh, uh, feet above uh, sea level, right? At one point, we were, what, at 7,200 feet of elevation, something like that. So we're up in the mountains. Now, think about that. That's over 6,000 feet difference. That's over a mile and a or it's about a mile and a quarter higher. Imagine exponential if we just took our building and we went straight up another mile and a quarter into the air. That's how high we were, you know, in this elevation. A lot of times you're going to lose cell signal. And I was like, that's the thing I'm most nervous about is losing communication. And see, that's what happens. This is your sermon after the sermon. Is that <laughs> That's what happens in, 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 if you lose signal with God when we have sin in our lives, we lose communication with him and we're bound to get lost. And so that's why it's so important that we're always in a right place spiritually with him. You don't want to lose that GPS, you know, the God positioning system, right? You don't want to lose that. And so, um, again, that was the sermon after sermon. But anyway, 